I want to talk to you about the last will and testament of Jesus Christ. Many of you have heard of what they call a swan song. Swan song. I've heard of swan song. I had a goose, which are similar to swan, or in the family. Big old Chinese geese. And I've heard their swan song. It's a sad, more uh, mournful song. Uh, but it is ultimately uh, the last words of that swan or the last words of the goose or whatever it is that does it. Jesus had some last words too. Paul has some last words too. We'll look at them tonight real briefly and hopefully you can walk away with something encouraging. I think it's encouraging on what God has given us. He's given us everything we need to succeed. We have everything we need to succeed. The Word of God has an answer for every problem you'll run into in life. If it doesn't deal with it specifically, it deals with it in principle. Uh, people will say, like, well, the Bible doesn't say a thing against smoking. No, it doesn't specifically say, thou shalt not smoke. But what it does say, that he that destroyeth the temple of the Holy Spirit, him will God destroy. And it does say to take care of your body. Now, that means that when I believe the people that smoked before they knew it hurt them were free. But once the information came out clearly that smoking almost was a certain connection to lung cancer, then they weren't free at that point. And uh, other, you know, things like that happen. So the, in principle, in other words, the Bible deals with it. And then the specifics are dealt with uh, one by one as it opens up. Anything done in faith, I mean, if you're doing something in faith and you find out later that it's harming you, you can't do it in faith anymore, uh, you would be doing it in doubt, and if you doubt, it's sin. And so it helps you in that way. But the Bible's got the answer. I heard the old boys years ago when I was young and sitting in the pew and listening to them old boys preach, I would I would hear them talk about the Bible has the answer for every problem in life. And I think, man, that's that's interesting. A lot of things can come up in life. A lot of questions. A lot of questions can come up in life about what to do, when to do it. But God will help you through it if you if you soak it in the Word. Luke chapter 24, verse 36 to 53, are some, at least, of the last words um, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Usually, and oftentimes, historically, last words are some of the most important words, most intimate things that can be said by a person. Paul's last words, we know, are found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, where he states, and you've heard, I fought a good fight, I've finished a course, I've kept the faith, henceforth laid up for me a crown of righteousness, not for me only, but for all them that love his appearing. And so, in that chapter 4, you kind of get his heart, as he's, as he's ready to lay the sword of the Spirit down and take off the armor of salvation that uh, Ephesians chapter 6 talks about because he knows it's his time to go and pass on. Now, Paul had a lot of good years in him when he went. Paul died young. He had a lot of good years left in him, but it wasn't God's will that he stay. Isn't that interesting? You never figure that out. Uh, James, remember James was killed early, Acts chapter 12. James, we're talking about John and James and Sons of Thunder. One of, his, one of the Sons of Thunder was killed early on. Why in the world? Why in the world? 
Did God allow that to happen? You would think that he'd left James being, being one of the 12, I mean, you know, valuable witness for the gospel of Christ. But that was James's evidently best witness was to be slain in the name of Jesus. But we see other people like Stephen, which was slain also early on. And you wonder, Lord, he would have had a lot of good years left in him. Boy, he knew the Bible, didn't he? Acts 7, he gives that testimony of the, really the complete history of Israel. He, he laid out real quickly for them the complete history of Israel. And they uh, stoned, took him out and stoned him. And God took him out early. And so you never know, you never know, you just got to trust God on those things. But I, I believe you and I, we put, our, some of us at least, not everybody does this, but some of us put our last will and our last testament together. I encourage young people to get a will. I'm talking about people like Chris Barrows, people like Nick. You're still in the young group, barely. Um, but young people, young people need to have a will. Will, why? Not for their material possessions so much, but for their children. Uh, what would you like to happen to your children? What would you like to happen? What would you like to see happen uh, to, the, to some of the valuable things in your life? I was 19 years old. I went down to uh, an attorney who became famous in our area, Rubenstein. And uh, he, he, I told the story before. He brought me in the office, shut the door, and he said, tell me what a fundamental Christian is. Now, here's this big shot. Now, he was a big shot back then. He's a real big shot now. Rubenstein. He owns about half Fort Myers. And uh, he's a Jew, and he asked me what it He said, I'm a 19-year-old punk kid, you know. He says, tell me what a fundamental Bible-believing Christian is all about. And I said, well, I got, to, I got to lay it out. I mean, I just laid it out to him, what it, what it meant that we believe the Bible literally. I mean, literally, Old and New Testament. I said, we believe your Bible more than you believe it. He was like, you believe all those miracles? I said, we believe all those miracles are true. We believe, we believe Noah was, had a big flood, made a big boat, went through the flood, only eight people got saved. We believe Jonah swallowed by a great fish and, and uh, three days in the belly and spit up on shore. Had the greatest revival ever recorded in human history at Nineveh. From the top down, from the government down, from the top of the government down, they repented. And God saved them another 150 years. The, word of, the next book of Nahum is uh, where God finally destroyed them 150 years later. We believe all that. We, we believe everything, everything in that book. Every, we believe from cover to cover that God wrote it, preserved it, and it's his word forever settled in heaven, which it says of itself in Psalm 119. And he sat there, man, he took it in. He took it in. <clears throat> I also had a gospel track I gave him, how many laws were broken at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. I don't know why I happened to have it with me, but I had it with me. And I forgot how many laws were broken. Now, he's a lawyer now. The Jews broke their own laws trying him at night, that was illegal. And there was all kinds of laws that the Jews broke when they crucified Christ. It was an illegal trial. It was a fake trial. And they just wanted to have one conclusion, was just crucify him no matter what. And he complied by telling them something that they would feel justified in doing it. And so you, I have a will, I have a will, and, and a last will and testament drawn up by a lawyer named Mad Dog. That's the best lawyer you could ever have. 
Mad Dog, about 75 years old now. And he drew that thing up. It's watertight. He said, this thing's been tested. I've, everything in this has been tested in court over and over again. I said, well, I only got one kid. What's he going to sue himself? <clears throat> but um, it could be argued that this passage may be one of the most important sections of all Scripture, at least to a believer. And so let's read it, if we would, starting at verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Now look what happened, verse 37. But they were terrified. That's big. I haven't been terrified very often in my life. Think back in your mind. How many times have you been terrified? Probably not many. Maybe, maybe never. I know when lately when I was up deer hunting with, with, um, with Georgie, I, I was uh, in, in a truck with uh, Hal Hightower and his boy. And we were going down the road. It was snowing and it was one of them turtleback roads and it was snowing and it was wet snow, which is the worst kind. And uh, Hal, man, he's, he's cruising along like he's, he's like nothing there, you know, 45 mile an hour. <coughs> and up ahead of us, his headlights hit two people that had hit head on together. They had already hit head on, and they were blocking the road. And I'll tell you, for a few seconds there, when you know you're going to hit them, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. And then you hit them. You couldn't stop. But they were terrified and affrighted. And suppose that they had seen a spirit. They said to them, why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and my feet, this, that it is I myself handle me. And see for a, now this will, this thing, this passage is chucked full of doctrinal truth. She said, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Did you know he didn't mention blood? He had flesh and bones, but not flesh and blood. He'd shed his blood already. And when they had spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while, I'm actually showing them his hands and his feet. He'd look at my feet, look at my hands. And while they believe, yet believe not for joy, now they don't believe for joy. They didn't believe because they were afraid and terrified. Now they don't believe for joy. These boys are tough. And wondered, he said unto them, have you any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish with honey. Now, I, I, I don't know if you let that go by. How many here have ever eaten broiled fish and put honey on it? It's a Bible recipe. Jesus a broiled fish, and they put honey on it. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. It, would, it wouldn't be in the Bible if it wasn't good, amen. So the next time I eat fish, I'm going to broil it. I'm going to put honey on it because I don't remember ever doing that. And they took it and it eat before them. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must, I want you to circle the word there if you have a pen or you mark your Bible, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Those are the three <clears throat> divisions of the Old Testament. 
So basically, he says, he just, he tells them the entire Old Testament is the Word of God. 39 books. Then he opened, oh, he opened their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Woo! He said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Why? That repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are all witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. In this passage, Jesus did seven things I want to bring to your attention real quickly tonight as kind of an expositional way. First of all, he stood in their midst just like he stands in our midst. The Lord Jesus Christ is in our midst tonight. I see him by faith. I don't see him with physical eyes. I see him by faith. Uh, Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. I see that by faith. I don't see it by sight. I believe the word of God to be true. I believe what Jesus said to be true. And there's two or three of us here tonight. And he's here in our midst. Amen. He's, he, he stood in their midst, just like he's, he's standing in our midst. He satisfied their doubts, just like he satisfies our doubts. Verse 39, 40. In the right time at the right place, when you have believed through the dark night, Jesus will settle your doubts by manifesting himself to you in such a way that cannot be doubted afterward. Some of you old timers, some of you old Christians know that if you'll believe by faith, God will show you eventually by sight. God will come by where you know that it had to be him and nobody couldn't be anything else. There's no other explanation. It could not be coincidental. It was God that came by. Our trouble is we want proof first and then faith. But the essence of faith is not seeing the answer. It is hoping for it. Look in, uh, we don't have to look in, I'll quote in Romans chapter 8, verse 24, 25. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, what doth he yet hope for? For if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. That's what we're doing in many ways. I like where it says in Psalm 30, verse 5, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Our walk of faith may it sometimes cause us to, cause us to uh, have trouble and be affrighted and maybe be, be but, but if we just keep trusting, eventually God's going to show everybody by sight. Everybody. I'm talking the devil and everybody and all the demons. Everybody. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus said to Thomas, by the way, 
our faith is better than their faith. You say, Brother Bill, you've got to be kidding me. You mean our faith is better than the apostles' faith? Yes. Yes, the Bible says so. Why? They saw Jesus walk on the water. They saw the 5,000, 4,000 fed. They saw the fish spit up the coin for the taxes. They saw the, dra the draft of fish of 153 fish uh, come out after they had fished all night and caught nothing. Uh, they saw the paralytic's bones straightened up where he could leap like a heart. Uh, they saw the dumb who never had spoken yell and speak and praise God. They saw the blind who never seen anything be able to see people again, be able to recognize folks and recognize the sunset. You know, I mean, he could see again. Wow. They saw demons bow to him in subjection and say, why have you come to torment us before the time, thou holy one of Israel? You mean to tell me our faith is better than theirs? Well, here's what it says. John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus saith unto them, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. That's you people. And that's everybody since that time, since Jesus went back to heaven. They believe by faith. We believe by faith. We have hope. And hope that is seen is not hope. But eventually, God will come to you in such a way that it will be by sight. And in a way, it'll take away some of that hope. But the hope must come first before the sight. The believing in God must come first. The exercising the truth when it doesn't, when it looks hopeless to exercise it, must come first. Years ago, uh, I'm talking. I was 16 years old. My mom, I I got my, I had jobs before that, but I got a real big job on the railroad, and I was making uh, somewhere around $600 a, a week back then. That was an unbelievable amount of money, and so. My mom said, comes and says, you understand, God wants you to tithe on all your money. I said, absolutely. I believe that's to be teaching the Bible. She says, well, give me $60 out of your check then. I said, well, you just take $60. You take 10% out of my check. And then on Sunday, if you'll write a check, I'll, I'll put it in the offering. She wanted me to put it in the offering because she wanted me to go through the practice of placing it in the offering, giving it to God. It's an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. It's the time talent and treasure thing. And so from 16 on, as best as I know, I've tithed on every dime I've made and even tithed on money I haven't made that I thought I may have made. But when in doubt, I gave God the benefit of the doubt. And I have, and he said to the children of Israel, prove me. Do what I tell you to do. Prove me. So you start out in faith, you start out in hope, and you just do what God asks you to do. And, and trust me, we've been through some lean times. God brought it, God brought what I call the mac and cheese years to us, where we were 19 cents a box. Couldn't use milk because we couldn't afford, we used water. And boy, that just ruins mac and cheese, let me tell you. It ruins that. Mac and cheese and cheap hot dogs. Mac and cheese and peas. Mac and cheese and carrots. Mac and cheese and, man, we threw everything in there. Tried everything. Um, and I didn't, I was, I would, I would wonder, I wonder where I'm getting my gas money this week. I wonder where it's coming from. 
I stand before you tonight and testify that God is true. I never missed a meal because I didn't have the money. God does prove himself true. But the faith had to come before the sight. Now at 69, I got, I got high confidence that God's going to supply my, for God, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I got high confidence. Marilyn, don't you have high confidence? Yes, right. What am I going to do without Bob? Oh, God's going to take care of him. But she's an old timer. She knows that. Most beautiful to be saved, boy, I'll tell you. In verse 41, 43, he showed them his humanity. Have you any meat? It was practical. God's practical. Have you anything, anything to eat? You know, when Jesus stepped down from glory, it was a permanent step. I want you to get this theologically. For all eternity, he took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of man. It was big. Way bigger than we understand. Way bigger than we understand when Jesus was incarnated. Way bigger. Now he is our high priest, making intercession for us on the right hand of the throne of God with empathy, sympathy, and understanding. Why? How could he do it? Because he partook of the same. In verse 44 to 45, he opened their understanding of Scripture and how the Scripture applied to them. No amount of intelligence, mental prowess, gymnastics of genius can figure Scripture out correctly. I've been around real smart people, real smart people, and they're dumber than a box of rocks when it comes to God. They just their 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 eyes have been blinded that they cannot see the simple things of the Bible. They can read the Bible. They can memorize portions of the Bible, but they do not understand the Bible because God has not opened their understanding because you only get your understanding opened by coming in hum humble, childlike faith. And then God will open your understanding. It is a closed book. The Bible is a closed book, a labyrinth of false conclusions a contradictory and of contradictory deductions without the Holy Spirit. No man can make this Bible congeal. But for the one with the Holy Spirit and having a humble and contrite heart before God, he opens your understanding that you can see it like it's simple. He opened their understanding of Scripture in verse 46, he explained his sacrifice and his resurrection. In verse 47, 48, he stated his message and mission. In verse 49, he sustained them with power. So let me review what happened there in the first, those verses. He stood in their midst. He satisfied their doubts. He showed them his humanity. He opened their understanding. He explained his sacrifice. He stated their Message and mission, which was to go preach the gospel, of course, and he sustained them. He says, wait till you get endued with power from the Holy Ghost. But that's not all. He gave them four imperatives in this passage, 
An imperative is a, is a form, a tense of a word in the Greek that is a command. It means do this as a command. There are four musts, M-U-S-T, there are four musts in this passage. First, the scriptures in verse 44 must be fulfilled. He says, all things must be fulfilled which are written in it. That's the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the prophets, all the historical books, the Psalms included poetical books. This is the Jewish canon. Jesus, in that this simple statement, as I mentioned before, validated the entire Old Testament as inspired and supernatural, thus authoritative. Brother and sister in Christ, when you put your weight on this, you're going to come out on top. You're going to come out on top. Because when all the dust settles and all the doubts are raised and all the skeptics written, all the cults twisted, all the liberals denying, this book will be fulfilled to the very letter. Matthew 24, verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Nobody could say that unless they were God. Matthew 5, 18. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle. That's, a, that's, like, a, that's like a period and a, and a little cross of a T. Shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. If I was you, I'd line myself up with the Bible. What makes an independent fundamental Baptist? The Bible, the King James Bible. We believe the Word of God from cover to cover. Amen? The concordance is not inspired. The preface is not inspired. But from Genesis 1-1 to uh, the last verse in Revelation 22, it is inspired. And as God protected, God inspired, and God empowered. That separates you from a mass of other people who call themselves Christians. It makes you different. It makes you so different that the Word of God is inspired to every word. The second thing, the second must we see in verse 46, Christ must suffer, die, and be resurrected. It behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. If there could have been another way, God would have done it. Suffering death preceded the glories of the resurrection for Christ and for you. And by the way, I don't think you're going to, you and I are going to bypass that little scenario. Uh, do not be amazed or despaired, no matter how dark the days may get for you, Sunday is coming. The resurrection's coming. You must believe that Jesus was literally, bodily, physically resurrected to be saved. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, you have to believe it. Put your arms around it. Embrace it as the truth of the Bible. It is. For if Christ was not raised, we are still in our sins. His blood was not able to atone for us, and we're in bad shape. The third thing there, we see the third must of God, the gospel of repentance and the remission of sins must be preached to all the world in Jesus' name, verse 47. And repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
That's the prime directive of, of every local church that's ever formed, no matter how big or how small. Whether it be 10 people, 5 people, 100 people, the directive of Gospel Baptist Church is to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Everything we do focuses on the, on the spear tip of giving out the gospel. I mean, our school, our, our Awana, our nursing home, uh, our, our door-to-door, our, our, our bus ministry, and anything we do, whether it be women's meetings or, or, or Thursday Bible study or everything, the tip of the spear is the gospel. It must be preached. It must be preached. The gospel track ministry is a ministry of faith, believing that the word of God will go forth and it's powerful, even in written form. Then lastly, I see the fourth must there in verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. You must be endued with power from on high. If we don't have the Holy Spirit to help us, we are just tinkling brass and sounding cymbal. We just go out and make a bunch of motion, move a bunch of air, make some noise, but nothing happens. We, we got to have God in the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means you cannot grieve or quench the Holy Spirit in your life if you expect him to help you. Grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. Who wrote the Bible? The Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, that means if you're in disobedience, open disobedience of this book, you are grieving the Holy Spirit and you're quenching his power. He's not able to. How many parents uh, has, has had the experience of having a wayward child? You would have loved to have blessed them. You would have loved to have endued them with, with wealth and with help, but you couldn't because they were disobedient. You couldn't because they were unwilling to put their obey the, the simple good things of, of life. And so you couldn't bless them. If, if a kid steals, you can't bless him for stealing. You, you have to punish him for stealing, right? Brother, Brother Chris is in the midst of this right now. He had two children so he can whip them. That's what he's got them for now. You, you got the same thing? You spanked them little girls? I hope so, brother. My wife said, I never got a spanking. I thought, well, brother, you needed them. Man, don't tell, do try to make out like girls or some angelic being. They walk on water and never touch the ground. Don't you try to tell me that. I've been married to one for 50 years. They need to be spanked just like everybody else. They do evil just like everybody Differently, though. Oh, it's differently. It's a different way. Boys will just come head on. They'll just hit it head on. Girls want to go around the back door. Now, don't get mad at me because you're going to say, well, I know an exception. Yeah, but exceptions don't make the rule, folks. You don't go by an exception. You go by the rule. The rule is the boys will hit you head on, and the girls won't. They'll come up, oh, daddy, 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 and daddy melts like a candle. God forbid you do that. Don't do it. Don't you do it. Men, stand up. Be counted. But brother, uh, about, about the age of the kids of brother Chris, we've had parents. I had Angie Moon. Angie, how you doing? I wonder if you were watching. Angie Moon 
called me up one time and she was crying and and she really was broken. She's broken. She says, you know, I had my two sweet children. I prayed for them, thank God for them, that I could have children. And now all I do is beat on them. <laughs> and I said, it's a dilemma, isn't it? She said, I spanked, what was that boy's name again? I spanked Micah 10 times a day already. What should I do? I said, well, first of all, you're not spanking him nearly hard enough. Hey, man, I'm going to come over and demonstrate to you what it means to get a real old-fashioned country whipping. And you will not want two of them in one day. You will want only the one. You won't even want the one. I used to come home, and Troy would, when I'd come home, boy, Troy would be, yes, sir. You know, he'd obey me. And my wife would say to me, why does he obey you like that? I said, it's real simple. Pain. He looks at me and goes, oh, you don't want to get him mad at you because he's going to bring a bunch of pain your way. Mama just panty can't, panty can't, panty can't, panty <laughs> Now I got to go home tonight and hear all that. You know I didn't do that. You know I spanked him as hard as I could. I know you did. You gave it your best shot, baby. But it wasn't good enough. That's why men are needed in the marriage. These single women can't raise good kids. I mean, you may can't. You, okay, let me, let me redefine that. You can do the best you can as a single mom, but you still need a man. It's a better way when you have a man and a woman raising children. Now, maybe it's not going to work out. Maybe, maybe a dad has to raise his kids by himself. Maybe a woman has to raise her kids by herself. I mean, I'm, I'm sympathetic, empathetic, but it would be better if you had a man and a woman together to balance that thing out a little bit, to help him. I believe our job here at the gospel, and it has been since 4, 1980, we started, March, first Sunday of 1980, has been to reach the lost in our area with the gospel. At least give them a chance before they die to hear the gospel. To hear that precious news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day for them. He died for their sins that they could be saved. Boy, Jesus, I tell you, it's important to Jesus. He said it. Go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We preach everywhere to everyone. We want to be creative, persistent, industrious, vigorous, determined, and faithful. We, we preach in nursing homes, flea markets, on the street, buses, workplaces, beaches. We want to do it thoroughly. We want to do it carefully. But we want to do it. I had a preacher not long ago come to me and say, you folks go door to door. First of all, I'm hurt already when he asks the question because I know where he's going. They don't. They've quit it. But they want to ask me, are you going door to door? And we said, absolutely going. We've gone door to door 40 years here at the gospel. He says, does it, does it do any good? I said, I don't know. Is there a God? Is the Bible true? Is there a Holy Spirit? Does the gospel save people still? I said, if I, if I went door to door my whole life, 
and just one person got saved. It'd be worth every minute I ever spent. First of all, I'm in obedience to preaching the gospel to every creature if nobody got saved. Don't you hold back from door to door because it's not getting the results you think it ought to get. Quit judging it on the results and judge it on the obedience. We are simply being obedient to the word of God by going door to door and house to house. And that's what they did in the book of Acts. And I believe that was a good practice in the early church. And we go door to door and house to house. And let me tell you, people that do it will tell you this. How many people, i got to ask you this question. How many people last week were you able to share the gospel with? Think about it in your mind. I guarantee if you went door to door with us, you would have had an opportunity this week to share the gospel at least once. I mean, talk about Jesus. I mean, talk about the cross. Because door to door opens the people. I had this skeptic preacher said, well, during COVID, you went door to door? I said, yeah. Yeah, we went COVID. People are dying and going to hell in spite of COVID. God forbid my forefathers will rise up and condemn us if we'd have quit doing that. Little thing like COVID stop you from going door to door. God forbid. All those people that were burned at the stake for the gospel would rise up and condemn us as a bunch of sissy pansies if we didn't get up and do it. No plague is going to stop us by the grace of God. You must kill us to stop us. And I don't say that with any arrogancy, not the least bit at all. I'm not trying to raise the fervor and wrath of the darkness. But if you don't have that kind of commitment, you're going to be a victim rather than a victor. Because the devil will stop you. It'll be a hundred reasons to stop. I, I said a statement. I sent it to somebody today. And I sent this statement to somebody and they said, who said that? I said, well, I did. Well, they were shocked that I said anything good. I mean, it was like, don't I get a couple of really renowned statements in my life that can go around? I said something like this. The sick, the, the sick sheep avoid church with a hundred excuses. A well sheep a healthy sheep goes to church overcoming a hundred obstacles. I think that's a great statement. I don't know about you. That's my best shot. Uh-huh. You know what the difference is, yeah? Brother, you, you about got to shoot somebody to stop them from doing the will of God. Other people, all you got to do is, and they're gone. Oh, the wind blew the wrong way. I think I'll stay home. Oh, I got a little athlete's foot. I think I'll stay home. Oh, my teeth are bothering me. I think I'll stay home. Don't, don't be that way. Don't be that way. May, may we obey the last will and testament of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, if you'll do it, I'll go with you. I'll be with you. I'll go with you. People will get saved. But let me tell you that I'm not. I'm not. I am not result oriented. I'm obedient oriented. I'm supposed to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Let let Jesus have the results. Amen. 
We fundamental Bible believers, we don't get results, we want to quit. Don't you quit just because no results happen. Brother, you just keep going. Did any of them bus kids ever get saved? They do get saved. Did any of them parents ever get saved? I've seen them. They do get saved. Whole houses, whole houses have gotten saved. In the 40 years, we've done that. But if it didn't happen, it was still a good thing to do. Let's keep it up. Father, thank you for the few minutes together. Thank you for the Bible and the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.